Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. Avantcard offers loans from 5,000 to 75,000 euro, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, you have a good Christmas? Absolutely. It was a fantastic Christmas. The kids had a phenomenal couple days, of course. Um, But I will say I was not a fan of all the football on Christmas. I mean, it ended up being work time for me, and there were so many different starting times. It's just an overwhelming amount of uh, NFL for me. Try to squeeze in the holiday spirit. Yeah, it's got to be a tough, a tough decision when Christmas Day falls on, on a Sunday. You know, of course, we always think of Sunday as as the football day, but you know, I guess they want to honor their players and their employees' time. I'm sure they were thinking of ratings as well. So yeah, it was it was a weird week 16 for sure from yeah. from a scheduling perspective. Uh, well, we have a, a an awesome guest today. I'm excited to talk to this guy a little bit more. Uh, we've got Dan Myler. He's a, a DLF senior writer, and he's also one of the hosts of the DLF Dynasty podcast. Uh, and I got a chance to hang out with Dan in, in real life uh, last summer in Chicago in, in a, a little DLF get-together. So good to see his face and hear his voice again. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I actually loved the whole football thing going on on the weekend, watching football and having that as a distraction from the from the in-laws and stuff and everything going on with that. However, uh, running those championship rosters while all that is going on, that that was a little bit of a headache. If you're in too many championship games, which I, I, I don't think is a problem for most guys, there's no such thing. Uh, it could have been pretty stressful, I imagine. I actually was in five title games this past weekend, and I only won one of them, so maybe I can blame the scheduling and, and the busy season. Uh, similar results for me. I was in seven, and I have a, a couple still on the line, so I'm not I'm not 100% sure on a couple and only one, uh, two of the others. So, we'll Dan, see. how many leagues are you in, and how many of them are dynasty? 13 dynasty leagues. Nice. Uh, 12 playoffs, seven title games. So it was a good Stud. year. Pretty good year, yeah. Any redrafts thrown in there too? I got a couple of redrafts on top of it, and I won both of those. So those are local leagues, though. That's a little Man. bit. Our, know, our listeners better listen up. You know a thing or two. Oh, I, it was one of my best years. I, I, I'd like to say I'm peaking right now. <laughs> Fol- following the the uh, voice of Ryan McDowell has helped a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's a, you know, your success this year is just you know one reason we wanted to have you on. We are going to tackle a couple of hot topics today, and these are questions that I've. I've been asked and I've seen discussed quite a bit 
especially on Twitter. And Dan, the first one, especially, I think you're the perfect person to talk to about this. I don't know how many times I've been asked about the long-term dynasty value of Ty Montgomery. So we all know the story with Montgomery. He, he really hasn't been, you know, a dynasty asset or, or an impact player throughout his time in the NFL. He's kind of been one of those fringe roster guys in dynasty leagues, uh, a player that, you know, we all hoped might do something in that Packer offense, but never really did. He was behind Cobb and behind Jordy, behind James Jones and, and these other players over the years. This year he gets the chance to play some running back and that has really, really impacted the Packers season, but it's also impacted some dynasty teams as well. And for those of you who don't know, Dan is a, a big Packer fan like me. He's a big Randall Cobb fan, or at least he used to be. Um, <laughs> so Dan, let's talk about Ty Montgomery. You know, there's so many questions to, to ask here and discuss here. Is he going to be, is he going to stay at running back? First of all, is he going to be the running back of the future? Are they going to add a running back? What, you know, so, so many angles to talk about with this story. So just share your thoughts on this. Well, I, I think it's a story that has a lot of chapters still to be written. We, we got a little bit of football to play, first of all. We're going to see uh, exactly what the Packers think of Ty Montgomery in the coming weeks, uh, especially this coming week with you know pretty much a playoff game at Detroit. They have to win that game. Most likely they'll have to win that game, I would imagine. And you're going to find out exactly what they, what they think of Ty Montgomery. If they make the playoffs – when they make the playoffs, I should say, uh, we'll find out even more. The coaching staff in Green Bay tends to hold that running game back until late in the season, and then we kind of see what they what their real intentions are late in the year. They like to try to keep those guys healthy, and that's been happening over the last few weeks with Montgomery. We start seeing him being used more and more. I was not a big fan of Montgomery coming out. He seemed like a, a guy without a position, a guy that was maybe a little bit gimmicky in college, and I didn't know where he kind of fit in in the NFL coming out of Stanford. Then when he landed in Green Bay, I scratched my head because he really didn't seem like he had a place there either with Cobb already in place uh, and the other receivers that you mentioned, Ryan. So I, I was never a big Montgomery fan. Then his rookie year, he kind of made a couple splash plays out of the slot playing opposite Cobb, which was which was kind of intriguing. I thought, well, maybe maybe they can have two Randall Cobbs on the field at the same time. That didn't really pan out as a regular option. They weren't using him regularly. They, they like to use those two around the goal line, which was intriguing because they both had touchdown upside. Then he got hurt and kind of things dissipated throughout his rookie season. Now this year, he's kind of morphed into this running back. A lot of guys see him as that small slot guy wide receiver, but if you really look at him, he, he is a built guy. He's six foot, 220, built like a running back. And a lot of people don't give him a whole lot of credit because because he, he everybody sees that number on his back and and sees him as a wide receiver and he, he's played that position I, I kind of feel like he has a little bit of Danny Woodhead in a in a bigger body that can run between the tackles a little bit more and that fits a little bit now again I'm not a huge Ty Montgomery fan although I'm a huge Packers fan I'm coming around slowly though and am starting to feel like he certainly has a role at the position with the Packers going forward. Now, again, we have a lot of questions that need to be answered. We don't know what's going to happen with Eddie Lacy. They may see those two as a one-two punch. They may move on from Lacy and bring somebody else in to be that other half of the kind of committee in Green Bay. Uh, and they may 
see enough out of Montgomery here to, to, to want him as their number one guy. I don't know if I have any great insight. I, I have a hard time reading the mind of Mike McCarthy and that coaching staff because they make kind of goofy decisions, if you ask me, when it comes to the running game. They never seem to trust a guy who's really rolling. But as a dynasty owner, I think the best thing to do is watch these next few weeks unfold really intently and see how they use Montgomery. Maybe we can gain a little bit of insight from it. I think that's well said, Dan. You made a ton of really good points there, obviously, and you're obviously tuned into the pack quite a bit. I can tell you're fans. Good stuff. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, he's a smart dude coming out of Stanford. Um, he's not Percy Harvin. He's not Tyree Kill. You know, I mean, he is 225. And if he walks in the room, you might think, boy, he's a 4-3 outside linebacker or running back or a big receiver. He's not just a gadget guy. I didn't understand when the Packers drafted him either. I kind of thought, you know, this is sort of a luxury item they don't need at this time. Maybe he's just going to be brought in as a returner and a project and, you know, keep Cobb off the return duties, things like that. They had just invested in Randall Cobb. But now I look at it and think, like you said, we've got really good sample size between now and, you know, till they're eliminated. That How are they going to use this guy? But I also think Christine Michael's a slight factor here too. You know, I, I want to see – if he can show me enough that the Packers would bring him back next year. And even if both those guys hit, if Montgomery is rushing for a hundred plus and catching a few passes here and there, and Michael looks good and the Packers are rolling and they win the Super Bowl, I still think they're a major candidate to draft a running back high though. You know, I mean, as much as Montgomery's been impressive, although somewhat inconsistent, in a running back heavy draft, I think the Packers are near the top of the list of teams that are, you know, probably in the market. You know, I think the thing that stands out from listening to both of you is just the decisions that the Packers have to make uh, this offseason. Obviously, they're they're not going to get rid of Ty Montgomery. They'll keep, you know, he's still under contract, but they've got to decide what position he's going to play. And then they have both Lacey and Michael that could be back or or maybe not. So Really, really a lot of decisions to make. And, Dan, like you said, I think watching the next few weeks will will go a long way in, in telling us what to do. So based on what we know right now, Dan, would you be a buyer of Ty Montgomery in Dynasty Leagues this offseason? Yeah, I would. I, I think he's proven himself that there's a role there at the very least. I, I kind of hinted at Danny Woodhead, and it's not exactly like that. He's he's a bigger version, a guy who can still handle those 10 and 12 carries on top of catching five or six balls out of the backfield. I think there's a there's kind of a mix and match there where he could be used as a third down running back, but also in the passing game. Um, he is kind of a mismatch nightmare. Although he's not a polished receiver on the outside at all, I, I think there's a role there. I think it's a useful dynasty role for us dynasty owners. I don't know if he's going to be a consistent, you know, running back two or anything like that. And I feel like that decision has been made, Ryan, strictly as a running back, and he's going to fall into that group at the very least. And dynasty owners should look at him as a running back going forward. But but I think he has the the appeal to me as like maybe maybe more of a flex play, a guy that you can kind of stick in there, uh, and especially during bye weeks and when there's injuries to help you out. Um, looking at him as anything more than that at this point might be a little bit premature. So I, I don't want to go quite that far, but I think he's definitely an asset that dynasty owners will want on their rosters. 
You got to think he's got to have a pretty high floor week to week. I mean, even next year, if they do bring in a prominent rookie back, you know, that or re-sign Lacey or something along those lines, just because he can split out wide or if Devontae Adams gets hurt, maybe they move him to receiver for three games or, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of flexibility with him, and he's proven that he's going to be hard to keep off the field. Dynasty owners love flexibility. We all like to be able to put that guy in multiple positions and stuff like that. NFL head coaches like to do the same thing. I think you make a good point there, Matt, that he, he's so versatile that he's going to find a role. He's going to make his way onto the field and guys that are on the field create fantasy points. And that's what we like to have. So I, I feel, I feel like we all kind of agree at least a little bit. I'd love to know what Ryan really thinks if he's buying, but I, I don't know if I'm overspending, but I certainly want him on my rosters. Yeah, I, I agree. I would be a buyer as well. And, and, you know, like with every player, it just comes down to the price. And I think that's what is most confusing right now with Montgomery. It's so rare for players to switch positions once they enter the league, especially those those offensive skill players. Uh, of course, we've seen it over the past couple of years with Terrell Pryor. And he's another guy. Dynasty players, myself included, were really slow to – nail down a value on. And I still don't think we have, you know, some guys totally bought in and were willing to give up a late first for prior, you know, on the other end, some were, were still firmly non-believers and uh, just saw him as a former quarterback rather than a current wide receiver. So I think Montgomery, as far as his dynasty value kind of will battle the same things. You know, the questions that we've talked about, is he a receiver? Is he a running back? Does it matter? Those, those things are clouding his his value. I, I would certainly be a buyer, and, and I'm glad to give uh, a mid-second or anything after that. I think it probably would cost more than that. Uh, I've got, you know, I've got Montgomery on a couple of my rosters. I've been starting him through the playoffs, and, and I'm not giving him up for that. I'm certainly not giving a first-rounder for him. I, th- I think if I'm winning a championship this week and need need running back help and I'm looking to build next year, I'm not 100% convinced that there's a whole lot of talent at the end of that first round better than Ty Montgomery. So I'd be given that 11th or 12th pick for Montgomery in a heartbeat, I think. Okay. I think that's where the line is for me, though. That That's right where it's at. High second, very late first. I, I think that's where he kind of lands to me. All right, Dan, I'm going to throw six names at you. You tell me Montgomery or the other guy. Okay. Tevin Coleman. Montgomery. Kenneth Dixon. Kenneth Dixon. Tyreek Hill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Montgomery. Uh, Rashad Perryman. Montgomery easily. Holy cow. In a landslide. Yeah, I guess so. I like him, though. Gio. Okay. Uh, Montgomery. Eddie Lacy. Uh, Eddie Lacy. Okay. And and I and I'm really wavering on the Tevin Coleman one. I I kind of feel like I made a mistake there. I I think I would take Coleman. You prefer Dixon, right? I would take Dixon over him. Yeah, I would take Dixon. Yeah. I mean, I think most of those are are close. Those are good, good value comparisons, Matt. The one that surprises me, Dan, is is Eddie Lacy. Uh, really? You know, this is a guy who. I mean, he was, he essentially got benched last year for James Starks. He was, was not off to a good start this year before the, the season ending injury. And I think, you know, you're, you're more tapped into the Packers than I am for sure. But I feel like it's a foregone conclusion that he is with a different team next year. Oh, I hope you're right. 
<laughs> Not as a Packer fan, as a dynasty owner. I really hope you're right. I, I feel like Mike McCarthy is holding him back, has held him back for years. If, if they would just hand him the ball 20 times a game and let him be the bulldozer that he can be, I, I just feel like he could be Marshawn Lynch if the coaching staff would allow him to be that. But so many times he averages five yards a carry in the first half of a game and they just stop handing him the ball. And all of a sudden Starks is in the game. Now, there have been other factors that have gone into into things a little bit. But, you know, especially early in a season, the Packers do not commit to a pack, to, to a rush running attack. They especially don't commit to one running back, even if that guy's rolling. And if they would just do that with Lacey, I feel like he would be that top five running back asset that we all thought he was a year and a half ago or two years ago. So, you know, I, I, I feel like if he could end up somewhere where that coaching staff would commit to him as the number one guy and they'd use him like Marshawn Lynch was used, he would give us the type of results that Lynch gave us in Seattle. How about Oakland? Yeah, that'd be a dynamite landing spot for him. And I could see that happening with Reggie McKenzie there. And I, you know, I right. know they're, they're they're kind of, there's a separation there with the Packers and McKenzie now. It, you know, it's been years, but it kind of seems like that that's a landing spot that, that would be ideal. I'm going to keep that in the back of my brain, Matt. Good choice. So even mo- maybe even more than Montgomery, you would be a buyer on Lacey this offseason. Absolutely. I, and I, I proved that earlier this during the regular season. Now, this was before the news of the season-ending injury. It was right after he got hurt, and everybody was kind of thinking it was a three- or four-week absence probably. I was buying him, and I was selling first-round picks for him on contending teams. I, I kind of at the time assumed he'd be back at some time, and McCarthy would start rolling with him again in, in an effort to make the playoffs. Well, that hasn't happened. So his value has dipped since then. I'm, I'm not giving a mid to late first anymore for him. Uh, but I certainly would like to invest in him in as many leagues as I can and see where that landing spot is. What, even if he ends up back in Green Bay, I feel like there's value there. Uh, but I really hope he moves on as a dynasty owner. Once we learned that he was out for the year, I remember in several of my leagues he was – he was dumped essentially for almost nothing, like third round picks, even up. I think I think there was even a trade of Lacey for a fourth round rookie pick in one wow. one league. So, you know, a lot of dynasty players have given up on him. Dan, you clearly have not, and, and you know, maybe maybe that's a player that I want to take another look at over these next few weeks. All right, Dan. How about Doug Martin is apparently falling out of favor in Tampa. They very much want to be a power running team, take deep shots. I could see that being a great landing spot for him. Would you rather have Lacey or Doug Martin? Well, if I was the Buccaneers, I think I'd rather have Eddie Lacey, especially with what you're talking about. They want to be that power running between the tackles, right. uh, slugging in the cool. mouth type team. Yeah. A uh, team that, you know, uh, Garrett Blunt is a free agent. He could move on. The Patriots could be looking for that workhorse throttle goal line guy, you know, and I could see Lacey uh, taking over that position there. Of course, Adrian, everybody else. Adrian Peterson's going to New England. Oh, okay. That's already <laughs> done deal. Huh? Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll continue looking. So, so, you know, I'm not a huge Doug Martin guy either. And I, I think Eddie Lacey is a much more talented football player than Doug Martin. Wow. I did, did not really expect the Eddie Lacey uh, conversation, but uh, it's, it's definitely informative from, from you, Dan, and I appreciate that. I urge everyone very, very much to check out the people at Harry's. 
if you haven't heard of them before, Harry's was started by two best friends, Jeff and Andy, and they were fed up with being overcharged for razors. So they started their own razor company to give people what they deserve, which is a great shave at a fair price. And I can atone to that. That's absolutely true. They are offering a limited edition shaving set. That's a midnight blue chrome razor handle, which you can get engraved if you want. Uh, three of Harry's German engineered five blade cartridges that provide a close, comfortable shave. Foaming gel that smells amazing. My wife digs it. So do my kids. My, my daughter gets all over me saying, oh, daddy, you just shaved. Uh, beautifully designed gift box. And that goes for 30 bucks on harrys.com. They also offer handles and sets that start at just 10 bucks if you haven't tried Harry's for yourself. But we have a special offer where you, you save five bucks off your order when you go to harrys.com and put dynasty at checkout. That's our code word, dynasty, and you save five bucks. So you got to do it. So go to harrys.com right now. Go get the limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last. And don't forget to enter our code DYNASTY at checkoff for five bucks off. That's harrys.com, code DYNASTY. I highly recommend. All right, we're going to move on now to our main topic of the day. It's uh, another question that I've seen discussed and mentioned and asked quite a bit. Uh, and this is this is really the time of year when this becomes super relevant. And it's these dynasty stash players, you know, teams are getting eliminated. They're dropping uh, maybe those veterans who don't have any long-term value. They're dropping their defense or kicker if they use those in, in, in their league. And they suddenly have some extra roster spaces. So we're all going to share some of our favorite players that we've been targeting from the waiver wire. But before we do that, Dan, I want to ask you, when you're looking for these types of players, what are qualities that you're looking for? Are you, are you strictly basing this on talent? Are you factoring in impending free agency or uh, of course the situation on the team? What are you considering? What are your factors when looking for stash players? I think it's a combination of everything you kind of mentioned there, Ryan. I, I obviously I like to think back to, to my feelings on a player when they were coming out of college. So, so talent certainly weighs in, but, but let's kind of be honest with, with this whole thing. If talent were the only factor and, and the guy's super talented, he'd probably already be on your roster already. So, so we got to sway it t- towards the other way. I, I think the biggest factor is opportunity. Contracts are, are where I start. It's really simple for me what I do. I simply go to Roto World. I check out their, their depth charts. I, I make notes on players with expiring mm-hmm. contracts, and I, and I like to kind of focus on who their backups are, who might take that space, take that spot that they're kind of walking away from. And then also I like to do a little bit of what we were doing, trying to figure out where a guy might land that is the free agent and see if that, that value may move up. Lots of guys wait until the news breaks to make a move on a player. Chris Hogan, for example, last year, oh man, he's going to Patriots. We got to get our hands on, on him. Getting ahead of the game a little bit, or at least trying to, and, and get a feeling on those players that are maybe underused for one team and could find a role on a new team is really, really difficult to do. But if you at least, at the very least, know the guy's name and know that he's a free agent and try to understand where he might fit in on another team, you can kind of get an upper edge or, or an upper hand and, and potentially get ahead of the curve a little bit before that groundbreaking news comes out that he signed with the Patriots or ended up on, with a bigger role with another team. So I kind of mix and match everything that you said there. 
Um, but the main factors for me is how can an opportunity change? Try to get ahead of that a little bit. And if there's, you know, if there's that red blinking light there that something could change for them, I, I try to make room for them on my, on my roster. Dan, I think that's a great idea, you know, in terms of contracts. I don't think the novice intermediate dynasty player plays, you know, pays nearly enough you know, uh, attention to the contracts in general. I mean, it's gigantic, and where people put their money tells a lot about their team. But to take it one step further, and, and Ryan, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jason over at uh, OverTheCap.com. He, he's a salary cap nerd, and he's phenomenal at it. But he's somebody we should have on the show after the season because he's put out a series now of top 10 quarterbacks, running backs, uh, wide receivers, and he's going to do even more and more that could be cut because of their salary being too high. You know, So not only do you look at whose contracts are up, but look at the, the, the folks that are expensive. You know, Jamal Charles is a great example. He's number one on his running back list. He's unlikely to be brought back for the money he's making. So there's a lot more moves even than just free agency. So, Dan, as you're looking for these players, do you find yourself focusing on certain positions? Have you found players from certain positions are more likely to hit and become dynasty assets? Or, again, are you still just focusing more on talent and situation regardless of of position? Well, I think it's regardless of position for me. I'm – I don't get too fired up about anything. I think maybe maybe in a standard uh, single quarterback league, I I don't necessarily look at quarterbacks quite as much probably. So so in a super flex or in a two quarterback league, I, I might focus on that position a little bit more. But overall, I, I look at every every position equally. I certainly don't discriminate. You can find value almost anywhere. I think the the general masses of dynasty owners probably think that running back is the position that guys kind of come out of nowhere and make a big impact at. So maybe they focus on that that position specifically, and maybe subconsciously I might do that because that probably is true. But, you know, you try to kind of build your team through talent and opportunity, and that can come at any position. So, th- you know, it's kind of odd this offseason – I kind of feel myself swaying towards the tight end position a little bit because there's a whole bunch of players that I feel like could change value wise in dynasty leagues. And, and those are the, those are the guys I'm scooping up. And, you know, most dynasty owners might kind of scratch their head to that and, and think, what the heck, that, that, that doesn't make sense. But I, I kind of feel like there could be a Delaney Walker coming this offseason. I find myself doing that a lot in the offseason with tight ends, you know, just in my dynasty experience, by the end of the summer, sometimes I have five, six tight ends on my roster hoping one hits, and it's because I can't cut them, and they're young, and they have upside, and, you know, how can you get rid of Tyler Higby? And, you know, there's a good chance he may never do anything, you know, but that's a tough position to acclimate. And I'm not sure if that's a, a dynasty error on my part, or I guess on your part too, or is it worth it? Is the payoff enough, or should I have a running back or two there as opposed to loading up on all these – high upside, former basketball player, tight ends, you know, Ryan Swope and these kind of guys. Yeah, I usually don't pay much attention to the position either. Like Dan said, I'm just uh, grabbing the players that I I think could have the best chance of increasing in value. But I do find myself, or I guess I feel like quarterbacks become the most obvious dynasty stashes. And maybe that's because there's, recognizable names on the waiver wire at the quarterback position, or maybe it's just because that's the position that that gets so much attention around the league. 
we'll get into some specific names here. I, I think the two most obvious stash players this offseason are, are both quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know if they're the two best, but if somebody's asking me, those are the first two names that, that come to my mind. And again, we'll, we'll get into those in, in just a second. But Dan, once, once you've gone through this process and you've added two or three or four stash players to your dynasty roster, are you just going to let them basically sit there until we find that their situation either is going to change or is not? Is that end of your bench pretty fluid? Are you continuing the process and looking to add more players or maybe even dump the ones you've already had? How does that work for you? Hey, Ryan, it, to expand upon that question, if you don't mind, for, for Dan, is were you smart if this summer you, you – I'm going to pick up Savage because I think this Osweiler thing's not going to work out. I mean, are you a savvy dynasty owner if you waited all this time and all of a sudden, like, I got savage? No, 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 no. I mean, or is that crazy talk? Is that just a waste of a roster spot? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. That, that's crazy, Tom. That's <laughs> a little bit. That's a little bit out there. I mean, there are so many owners that He's I play not with. Be true breeze. Yeah, right. There are so many owners that I play with though that that love to be right like that right. and. To waste a roster spot on something like that, especially you know, you, you point towards Savage, which a lot of guys listening are probably thinking, Yeah, that would have been awesome. But really, let's be honest here Savage did not look good the other night, and there's not a lot of things pointing towards him being a top end quarterback in Dynasty League. So, a lot of guys would pat themselves on the back that, Yep, I got it right, I knew Osweiler was going to be wrong, but it didn't He's pay off. roster for a year. Right. It, it was really a waste. You could have had somebody that was useful. So right. as far as what kind of what, what Ryan was kind of talking about, I'm a tinkerer. I like to, to mix and match. I, I, there's a lot of give and take on my roster. So I treat every situation differently. I, I feel if I, if I stay current on the news, I can kind of get a little bit of an advantage. And then I can make a good decision when, when the time comes, if I want to move on from the guy that I, I just added to my roster a couple of weeks ago, or even a few months ago, I can, I can make a quality decision as to if the new guy that I'm intrigued with, it will be worth more than that. Now I've been burned on it in the past many times actually, but I feel like overall I get more of a benefit from tinkering with that roster and always making the end of that roster fluid. Like Ryan said. But what about Paxton Lynch then? Let's say you used a fourth-round pick in your rookie draft on him, have held him this whole time. I mean, to me, he has more upside than Savage. I mean, I'd rather have him Absolutely. in my roster than Savage. You know, I mean, he might be a 10-year starter for the Broncos. Yeah, at this point, really, like he's, he's doing you a he, whole lot of no good. Right, he's doing you a whole <laughs> lot of no good. And he has a little you know, he has some of the upside and all the things that you look for and you want on your roster, but it depends on, on roster depth and stuff like that. So for, for him specifically, he'd be in most leagues, most one quarterback, single quarterback leagues, he'd be waiver wire fodder for me. And mm-hmm. and many people would, you know, scoop him up right away. And I'd be just fine with him clogging up a spot on their roster. Now, if you're in deep leagues, that, that would be a mistake, obviously, even in single quarterback leagues, uh, because anybody that could have, some kind of dynasty value at some point is worth a roster spot. So guys like him in those situations, I definitely try to hit the trade market before I drop them. That's the first thing I do. Even the situations we talked about before where it's kind of that end of the bench fodder where there's some news 
that may give him a little bit of an uptick in value. In some of my leagues, which are really active, I try to shop those players before I drop them if there's enough time, if, if the new guy doesn't have immediate news that I need to get to. And usually I'm just looking for even like a two, a three, or a four-pick upgrade in a rookie draft. If I can get any kind of value out of something that just was you know, off-season news, I always take it. And Romo or Cutler could easily end up in Denver this off-season. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's get into some specific names that uh, that we're looking to pick up that maybe our listeners would want to add to their dynasty rosters as well. Uh, we're just going to bounce around and uh, take turns naming some names here. And I don't know, I guess I'm, I looked at this from a point of view of most of my dynasty leagues, which are between 22 and 30 roster spots. A guy like, Robert Woods. I almost listed Robert Woods in this, but he's on a dynasty roster in every one of my leagues. So if he's out there on your waiver wire, he's the type of guy I might grab and stash. He's a free agent. But for this, uh, we went just a little bit deeper than that. So Dan, we're going to let you get started. Uh, Who's the first player that you would be looking to add from the, from a typical dynasty waiver wire? My biggest one is, is another one that might be on a lot of rosters already, but I bet that he was picked up just recently and I kind of hinted toward it, towards it that it's a tight end. It's Trey Burton of the, of the Eagles. He's, he's so intriguing to me. He's young. He's only 25 years old. Uh, he's going to be a restricted free agent and he's currently playing behind Zach Ertz. Now he's not a great blocker, but he's a good pass catching tight end. He's very smooth uh, as a route runner. He's got very good hands and he, he can kind of stretch the seam, all the things that you look for in, in that tight end that can line up in line or flex out of the formation and and kind of stretch the field a little bit for, for you. Um, he's a really interesting name. That, like I said, he's a restricted free agent, so a team would have to make make a pretty solid move to, to kind of go after him. But I could see him making a splash and, and being that Delaney Walker type guy that, you know, when he moved on to Tennessee, all of a sudden he became a, a playmaker. I could see that potentially happening with Burton if he moved on. And he, he still has standalone value to some extent in Philadelphia. Obviously, it would take an injury to Ertz for him to really um, see that value come come to fruition. But I feel like he's a guy that should be rostered in most dynasty leagues, especially the sizes that you were talking about, Ryan. I like the Burton call, and I don't think he has to leave Philly to to see that value. Like you said, you know, when Doug Peterson came in, if I remember correctly, they they immediately gave contract extensions to Ertz and to Brent Selleck. So, and it, it became pretty clear that they wanted to run those two tight end sets like we saw in Kansas City. And I, I think Burton might just be overtaking Selleck a little bit. So I don't think – I don't think we have to have an injury uh, to Ertz for, for Burton to really hit. Uh, I like that call. The problem with, with him kind of becoming that second tight end in Philadelphia is that Ertz and Burton, neither one of them are great blockers, and Selleck really excels there, which keeps him on the field. So I, I agree, and that sounds great. Us as dynasty and fantasy owners, we always say, wow, these guys could be dynamic, get those guys both on the field. But if they're both on the field – I, I don't know if you, you can protect that young quarterback with one of those two staying in uh, uh, regularly. So so there's a little bit of real football that goes along with that 
at least to some extent. I, I agree with you. There is some some appeal and and some upside as him as to him making a splash. And we've seen a little bit of it in recent weeks. He, he's made a few nice plays, uh, kind of some of those splash plays, and they've used him. Uh, in the screen game from the tight end position, which is intriguing. But I don't know if we're ever going to see both of those guys on the field and, and both of those being startable fantasy assets for us dynasty owners. All real good points. And, you know, they've become a very tight end centric passing game too. I mean, sort of by default, because Ertz is the only good one they have. Um, this, not to shoot your point down at all, but there's no doubt in my mind that the Eagles are going to add at least one, probably two wide receivers of prominence. I mean, that, that has to be their priorities this offseason. Their receivers are dreadful. And I think that cut into some tight end production. But you had also mentioned, Dan, that you know one of the things you'd like to do in, for this exercise is go check uh, contract status. Well, I think it's also smart to check the guys that are going to be up a year from now. Not the guys that are coming up a couple months from now, but a year and a couple months from now. Because you know maybe he puts in a so-so year with Philadelphia and then becomes a free agent and boom, everybody's banging on your door to try to get him from. All right, Matt, who would be top of your list? I wish I knew a little bit more about his injury situation. And some of these guys, injuries are going to cloud things quite a bit, but this is a player I loved coming out of school. I think the jets could definitely go away from Brandon Marshall. I think they're going to go away from all their high price guys and blow this thing up and be the Browns for the next couple of years. Decker could be gone. I have a hard time parting with Devin Smith if he's sitting at the bottom of my roster still because I loved him so much coming out of school. I just hope that the injuries just don't totally destroy his career. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. I, I was not a believer in Smith coming out of Ohio State. I don't even I don't even know if it's fair to say he struggled. He's he's had injuries in you know in each of his seasons, so we just don't really have much to go on. But uh, I mean, if he's free, yeah, you know. It, it, they hit me free. Yeah, it's hard to argue against anybody right. whose only cost is a roster spot, but he probably wouldn't be a guy I would be targeting. Dan, do you like Smith at all? No, I, I, mean, I kind of fall on the same side of it as, as you do, Ryan. I, I wasn't a huge fan of him. I, I, the speed is intriguing, and and if he could ever really hone in on that and, and use it as that deep one-play threat, kind of – I think his upside falls in the Ted Ginn category maybe. I he could become that guy for somebody. So, so there is something there. And by all means, if, if you like somebody, you should, you should add them to your roster, especially when they're free. But you know, the guy in, in New York that kind of appeals to me a little bit is the, is Sharon peak for the same, same reasons that Matt kind of mentioned that they could move on from Marshall. And he's that big guy with a lot of raw upside. So, so if there was a jet, I was going to go after, it would probably be peak for me over Smith. So that's a good call, too. Just from a schematic standpoint, if they move on from Marshall, which I think they will, they possibly can move on from Decker, that they run, they still run more four receiver sets than any team in the league. I mean, so there's going to be guys on the field. They need to play a lot of receivers unless coaching staff gets fired. And then there's obviously the argument of, wow, their, their quarterback situation might be awful next year. Yeah, it almost certainly will be awful. <laughs> They've got four quarterbacks, and they – and they don't have one. And they don't have one. You know, all, all four of these guys just seem to be non-factors from a fantasy perspective. And and if if that's true from a fantasy perspective, then it's it's not good news as an NFL quarterback either. 
It wouldn't shock me at all if Hackenberg's our starter next year and just see what he is for a year and sink or swim with him and go go from there, which maybe makes him somebody on this list. that he, I, I think he has to see playing time next year. Wow. Oh. <laughs> and I don't like him. All right. Well, I'm going to stick at the quarterback position. And I mentioned earlier, I think the two most obvious stash calls are both quarterbacks. So I'm going to cheat and name them both here. You've got Mike Glennon, the backup in Tampa Bay. Uh, he is a free agent as, as soon as the season ends. You know, we've already seen reports that he's going to get 10 to 10 to 15 million a year, which is just crazy to me. But that's, that's the landscape of the NFL. So I think one thing we didn't really mention earlier is, I guess, our purpose in looking for stash players. The obvious one is you want to grab a player who you believe in his talent, you expect a situation to improve, and you think he's going to become a, a valuable dynasty player. We're talking about if this was looking back a year ago, Tyrell Williams with the Chargers, uh, Terrell Pryor with the Browns, of course. You know, those were guys who were on – uh, who were on waiver wires, and maybe you just believed they had the talent to to break through. So you grab those guys. The other reason is you buy or you add a player with the intention of flipping him or selling him. In the past, that has been the case for me with quarterbacks, but it's become so difficult to sell those quarterbacks just because uh, you know the value of the position overall has fallen off. Several years ago, you could add a player like that they get the job and you can immediately flip them for a second round pick. And that's, you know, that's not the case anymore, but I still think Glennon, he's going to end up as a starter somewhere next year. And I think he is, he is worth adding off the waiver wire. And then Jimmy Garoppolo is the other guy. He's not a free agent, but he is expected to be traded by the Patriots. There's, there's even rumors that he could follow Josh McDaniels wherever he goes. If he gets a head coaching job as he's expected to, so I think both of those guys are probably starters. They're on most waiver wires right now. They're they're free, and you know if you can buy either of those guys, flip them for a late second or a high third, or package them in for some type of upgrade, I think that's an easy move. And obviously, you're talking about single quarterback league, leagues there, there, Ryan. Those prices inflate greatly in two quarterback and super flex leagues, and most likely both those guys are owned probably in most super flex leagues as well. I actually did a quick search while you were talking, talking about it. I play in five super flex leagues and, and he's owned in all of them or both of them are owned in all of them. So, so it's a little bit, little bit different that way. And, and if you wanted to get way ahead of the, of the game, you, you would have had to pick up Glennon or Garoppolo a year ago already. So, so it's a little bit different that way. I think they're both really good, good options for dynasty owners, even in those single quarterback leagues, especially if your intent is to try to flip them. A lot of owners two years ago might've done that with Osweiler. And then when he got his opportunity immediately turned and tried to get whatever they could. And, and at this point, even if you took a third round rookie pick for him, that was a good move. So it, it's it's intriguing for sure. I don't know if I really love using that last roster spot for a fourth quarterback or third or fourth quarterback in my dynasty leagues, especially when there's 22 to 25 roster spots. But when you start creeping up into the 30s for roster spots, it's certainly worth doing. Matt, any thoughts on Glennon or Garoppolo? Yeah, I mean, I actually just jotted them down because I'm going to go look in my – dynasty leagues to see if they are on any rosters they're all single quarterback leagues 
Because if not, I think they're an easy pickup right now. I mean, they're I can't see their value going down. And that's kind of your point that you said of, um, you know, you want to pick up somebody. To me, more often than not in this exercise or these type of guys, I want to pick up somebody who is going to increase in dynasty value, whether he helps my team or not. And kind of like we were just saying, if I can turn this guy into a third-round pick a couple months from now and then take my two-thirds and move into the second, you know, I mean, and just keep packaging up and packaging up, and that these guys could be that type of player. Uh, to me, I mean, in most dynasty leagues, I would think Glennon and Garoppolo should be in all of them, but, you know, the people don't keep quarterbacks that aren't playing. And these guys have a really good chance to start Quite a, I mean, if you look at the, in the big picture, in the next eight years, Garoppolo and Glennon might start a lot of games. Absolutely. I, I, I especially look at Glennon. It seems like Garoppolo, it's, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that he is at least going to be on the trade block. Uh, they're at least going to take offers on him. But Glennon's going to be somewhere else, no doubt about it. No he'll, doubt. he'll be a starter somewhere. He and, looks like a bear to me. He, he seems like a bear to me, too. I was going to kind of say the same thing. Uh, I toyed with saying ending up in Cleveland potentially, but it feels like they have to do something young and, and kind of make a splash there. So, man, I, you know, Glennon, if I was going to pick up one of them, maybe it's kind of a toss-up, I, I should say, um, because Garoppolo could end up back in, in New England for another year. But I, I think Glennon would be a nice end of, end of the roster guy right now. Matt, from a scouting perspective and, and kind of that inside the team mentality, does it concern you at all that New England would be willing to sell Garoppolo if that is the case? I mean, you know, Brady hasn't shown signs of slowing down, but he's he's 39 years old. That You know, he has to call it a career at some point. So are they just trying to get something out of Garoppolo before he leaves in free agency next year? See, I'm not know. sold that they, he's definitely going to trade it. You know, that – Belichick doesn't give people away. And, I mean, I love Brady. I think Brady's the best quarterback in the league. How much longer can he keep it up? I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if, if you know, if Belichick's like, dude, we look at Jimmy as the heir apparent. We're keeping him here as a high-end backup. We're going to pay these guys a ton. So be it. I know that sounds crazy, but at least for one more year, you can tread water. And then you could franchise him or Brady retires or, you know, isn't as good a year from now. I, I don't know that you just give him away for a second round pick or something like that. Cause I, I know for a fact that people in that building like him a lot and it would say volumes too. I mean, if McDaniels leaves and says, I want to take Jimmy with me. Well, obviously they're pretty high on him. I mean, it's not like it's a fluky guy that just showed up here and there. I mean, unless, and we have no clue on this, but maybe they love Brissett. I mean, maybe, but that they think he could become a quality player. But that's so far down the road. Dynasty owners have been chasing the Patriots backup for years, you know, right. and I think maybe that's with an eye towards Brady retiring, or maybe it's uh, just knowing that they that they're willing to flip, you know, flip players. But I mean, Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett, and uh, I know there's there's probably names I'm forgetting as well. So you know, Garoppolo is just the next in the line when it comes to that. Matt Castle, of course, is another one, and you know, they, they moved on and from all of those guys and in most cases got value for them. Yeah. And I think, I, th- I think, I don't think they're moving on from him for a second round pick. It's no. going to take a number one for the Patriots to move on from him. And I kind of feel like the only way that re- that even happens 
that he that he gets traded for a single first round pick is if it's if it's a McDaniel situation, a, a tip of the cap towards McDaniel on his way on his way out that he moves on to another city and Belichick then says, All right, you can have your guy. We're getting a first round pick, so it looks good on our end, it looks good on your end. It it may cost more than that if like Cleveland's calling and and, and they want to 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 grab Jimmy Garoppolo. The last thing I want to say on Garoppolo is it's not unheard of. If if the Patriots truly think he's the heir apparent, if they see him as a number one top 10 NFL quarterback, pro bowler, maybe even an all pro, if they truly see him that way, it is not unreasonable to, for them to say, I'm just moving on from Tom Brady. I know that sounds crazy. From I've said that for a while too. You know, I, I really feel like that's possible. And if you are 100% sure that Garoppolo is that, and we have a little bit of data to back that up now, that he's played in Belichick's system, he replaced Brady early this year, he played well. If they think that, they could do the whole Green Bay Packers, Brett Favre, move on, and it may kind of cause a black eye in the short term, but if Garoppolo is a superstar, that doesn't last very long. Wow. Patriots fans are shaking their head right now, but it could happen. Belichick's right, I mean, going to outlast Tom Brady. Brady's not going to play forever. Right. All right, Dan, let's go back to you for uh, another player you would be looking to stash. Uh, one guy that I really like stashing and already have on a lot of dynasty teams, I'm going to go to the running back position and mention Andre Ellington of Arizona. He turns 28 in February. He's a free agent this offseason, and he has been completely replaced in that Cardinals offense over the last couple of years uh, with Johnson there. Um, he's only a few years removed from kind of showing signs of being a, a very useful fantasy running back. In fact, he was for about a year and a half there. He's a little bit injury prone. He has, he has some trouble staying on the field from time to time, and I Certainly don't think he's a full-time runner by any means. I don't think he's going to be a three-down back uh, for anybody. But in his rookie year, he averaged five and a half yards a carry. He's shown signs of being able to do that since that rookie year. I think he's a very polished pass catcher. He's proven himself as that. And if he ends up somewhere where he can get a role as more than just that third down back, maybe the third down back that gets some carries from time to time, I could see him becoming a running back to maybe more of a flex guy in dynasty leagues once again. So he's one of my favorite stashes right now for, for dynasty leagues. I like that call. And I had Ellington on my list as well, not because I believe in his talent, but because he is a free agent, I, I do expect him to move on. And like we were saying with the quarterbacks, he's a player. As soon as he signs that deal with a new team, uh, assuming the situation looks good, He's a guy I would be I would be trying to sell for a draft pick or again packaging in some type of trade. No doubt, no doubt. Matt, yeah, I actually just pulled the free agency list up of running backs. Do any of these guys float your boat in the same regard? Uh, Benny Cunningham, Darren McFadden, Lance Dunbar. I mean, to me, like setting like they're blunts on this list. If he goes anywhere, his stock plummets. I mean, not that he's a terrible player, but he needs to be in New England to be that valuable. Or, you know, Ellington's the most ex- exciting of the ones on here. Nile Davis, Christine Michael, Ronnie Hillman. Do, you, do any of those guys excite you? Jacques Rogers that, hey, you know, if he gets signed somewhere else, then you trade him that second. Tim Hightower. Uh, I, none of them really got me excited. 
No, some of some of those guys have have been relevant this year. You know, Hightower and and right. Rogers. But uh, as far as long term upside, I, I don't really see it with with any of those. Matt, other than those guys, do you have any any other player you're looking for? Two guys you can get super cheap that have had success in the league that aren't super old that are still household names that I think will move teams are Kendall Wright and Torrey Smith. And I just like them because you can get them for nothing, basically. Torrey Smith is very likely to get cut by the Niners. Wright is a free agent. I can't see either one returning to their team. Maybe one goes to Philly. Or, I mean, I'm sure I could come up with five or six teams that would, the Jets, or, you know, someone that's wide receiver needy, makes them a starter, you can end up getting something for them. Yeah, I think both, like you mentioned, I think both of those guys are pretty likely to be playing for different teams next year. Uh, Those guys are on rosters in all of my leagues, but I have seen Wright especially floating around. I, I actually dropped him in one league this year, and, and somebody else scooped him up pretty quickly. But in in shallower leagues, 18, 20-man rosters, those guys might be on the waiver wire, and and I agree, would be worth stashing. I'm going to go with one more here, and it's a tough choice. I've got several young wide receivers that that I like that I could see getting a chance next year. I guess I'm going to go with Mike Thomas. Uh, Of course, he was – uh, not not the Saints, Mike Thomas. Not not good, Mike Thomas. But uh, Mike Thomas of the Rams, he really gained a lot of steam through that pre-draft process, and lots lots of dynasty folks really liked his upside. And just because of the the name factor, compared him to Michael Thomas of the Saints, we saw who who came out ahead in in that battle. But Thomas of the Rams, I'm not giving up on him yet. Uh, both Kenny Brett and Brian Quick are free agents. That team obviously is going to have some type of overhaul. Jeff Fisher is gone. They're reportedly looking for an offensive-minded head coach. Uh, and and Thomas has gone from a mid-second round pick last year to to waiver wires. So he's a guy I'm uh, I would be throwing on the end of my roster just to see what happens with the Rams this offseason. Yeah, that's an interesting one for me. I actually had another Rams receiver on my list, and that's Farrell Cooper. He was one of my, you know, favorites, kind of late round targets in rookie drafts a year ago. I've seen him dropped in a couple of leagues now. Uh, he's most likely owned in a deeper dynasty league, obviously. Uh, so he's probably still rostered, but I think at the very least, he's a really cheap trade option. He's only caught 10 passes for 70 yards this year and he, and he needs to develop some more. He certainly needs to learn how to use that quick twitch that he has, uh, that we've kind of seen at times as a route runner. He's not polished in that sense at all, but I, I think he, he has a little bit of Wes Welker to his game and, if he could hone that all in, he could be a PPR guy. Um, so in a PPR league, if he's just floating out there, he's a guy I would at, at least consider. I was like you, Ryan. I had a whole bunch of receivers kind of listed. I had a whole bunch of players. Bruce Ellington was one guy. He's only a few months removed from, from when he was kind of on the top of lists for people. Everybody has forgotten about him. He's still that quick guy. Um, there's a lot of question marks in San Francisco with the coach and the quarterback, but they need playmakers, and Ellington could be one of them as a slot guy. He's very quick and incredibly instinctive. I think he could make a splash in PPR leagues. I also had Chris Moore from Baltimore. Uh, he was kind of a 
camp star, not playing a lot right now, but Steve Smith is likely going to be gone. They could add a, add a wide receiver, could be one of those teams that Matt was talking about that could be looking at that position. But I'm not a fan of Perriman at all. I know Matt is. but And I, and I think Moore could potentially carve out a role. So those are a few of the wideouts that I kind of had, had earmarked. I think the Rams are really interesting because they don't have a first-round pick. They have some cap room, not a ton. I have to think that priority one, two, and three is going into that offensive line. So maybe one of their young guys, you know, by you know, get, gets risen up next year in, in year two. I think there's opportunity for a wide receiver to excel there. This guy's a free agent. Is Brian Quick dead to you guys? He could potentially be. I think he. I think best case scenario, he kind of holds true to what he has been to this point. Maybe maybe the numbers rise a little bit, but if, if anybody expects him to be anything more than a like low end wide receiver three at, at best, oh, yeah. they're they're probably expecting way too much out of Quick. That he may not be back. Right, uh, Matt. Did you have any other guys? Just just run through some names for us. You don't have to go into much detail, but just finish off your list if you have any other guys you were looking at. I'm pretty much finished, to be honest. Give us some of yours if you have them. That'd be great. Sure. I had I had several. Oh, one more. I'm sorry. Kamar Aiken is a free agent after the year, too. And I could see him going somewhere as a move the chains. I liked his game. Yeah, he was, you know, a lot of people thought he would be the Ravens' number one wide receiver this year. Yeah. And uh, he had, had a nice end of the season a year ago and, and has really just fallen off the map. So yeah, he's a good one. Um, several guys who had injury troubles this year and landed on waiver wires because of that. Tony Romo, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Danny Woodhead. Uh, Dan, you mentioned him earlier. He's on waiver wires and I, I don't think he's back with the chargers, but he should land a role somewhere. Um, Keith Marshall, another one who missed most of the year with an injury. The Redskins rookie running back. We're digging a little deeper here. Uh, and then several wide receivers, Jalen Strong, Cody Core of the uh, of the Bengals, Geronimo Allison got some playing time this week ahead of ahead of Janice and some of those other guys for the Packers. So he's he's a guy to consider. And then I really like Jaron Brown, the um, Cardinals wide receiver. He tore up his knee and missed uh i guess about half the season this year but he was getting more playing time i mean michael floyd's gone john brown has had his own injury issues and and for the second year in a row fitzgerald looks done at the end of the offseason at the end of the season he started so well both last year and this year and he's he's really slowing down so i think um you know he was he was also non-committal when asked about his uh coming back next year so you know, maybe maybe this is Fitzgerald's final year, or maybe it's next year. But either way, Jaron Brown is is a guy I'm grabbing, and then a couple tight ends: AJ Derby, the Denver tight end. Of course, they traded for him with uh, with New England earlier this season, and then Jarrell Adams, the Giants rookie tight end as well. Uh, I think you know both of their veterans are, are just non factors. Dan, any other names you wanted to Certainly throw Certainly a hole with the giant tight end situation. Somebody could step up there. Absolutely. You kind of stole my thunder a little bit there at the end, Ryan. You named a lot of guys that I was going to throw out at the end. Jalen Strong's one of my favorites to, to add to a roster. Allison was on my list. I also had A.J. Derby and Jarrell Adams on mine. So, 
So a little bit uh, sharing a brain with you there, Ryan. Uh, but other names, there's just a few others. I mentioned that tight ends were kind of high on my list. Marquise Gray of Miami is a guy that I, I really wasn't high on, but fellow DLFer George Kritikos kind of turned me on to him, and I did a little bit of digging on him. I feel like maybe there's a potential with Jordan Cameron moving on most likely and Deion Sims, you know, he's he, he's a free agent and they're splitting time right now. There's a little bit of potential there. So that's a real deep one. Also, Richard Rodgers of the Packers. Uh, Cook only signed a one-year contract. If they, if somebody came in and swooped in and, and grabbed him away again, Rodgers would would return to that number one guy in Green Bay. And anybody that catches passes from Aaron Rodgers has dynasty value. He's been released in a lot of leagues and could see a spike if they don't add another tight end. And then for the only the very deepest of leagues, I, I'm going to sound like the biggest Packer fan ever here. But in in a league where everybody in the league is is owned. Two quarterback league, 32 team league type things. Joe Callahan is a no-name quarterback uh, on the Packers practice squad. He lit up the preseason this past year at Green Bay. He went to New Orleans. Then he went to Cleveland, and now he's back in Green Bay again. If he has another huge preseason in 2017, people are going to take notice. And so if you're in a super, super – I'm talking the deepest league in the world – that is a name that might be out there that that could turn into value a year two or two or three years down the road. Along those lines, do you think Brett Hundley is the next Jimmy G or Glennon? I, I don't know about that. I, I think there's the potential for him to spike in dynasty value a little bit. And in two quarterback leagues, he's certainly worth considering if you're going to use five or six roster spots, four or five, six roster spots on a quarterback. I don't necessarily have super high hopes for him. I, I you know, I, I hope he plays well and I hope he adds to his value. I'm not investing into him in even two quarterback leagues at this point. Great stuff, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we wrap it up, just tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, you can find me on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I write the rookie report card every week over there. I'm a senior writer and also one of the hosts. They let me they let me hang out with the with the good guys on on the podcast with George and Nick and. We, we always have a good time. So if you don't check out the DLF Dynasty podcast, make sure to check that one out as soon as you're done listening to the blueprint today. Absolutely. I, I highly recommend that one. Obviously one of my weekly listens. All right. Thanks, Dan, for joining us. And we'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.